Hello, my name is Jacob Gray, and I am the pastor at 10 Mile Baptist Church. I want to thank you for joining us for our online services. We believe, whether online, in person, or through missionaries around the world, that we are called to take the gospel message of Jesus Christ to the end of the earth. And we know that it is hard sometimes to check out a church for the first time, whether in person or online. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can learn more at 10milebaptistchurch.org or any one of our many social media outlets. We are so glad that you are here, and we hope that you enjoy today's sermon. I want to thank Jamie and all those who played today at 742. When I saw Jamie in the lobby, I said, hey, I got a song. I don't know if you've ever heard it or not, but I'd love for you to sing it. He goes, well, I'm not sure, but it will make it work. And so I want to thank him for singing that um, about the love of God and just what would we be if we did not have that. And so if you have your Bibles this morning and you would, find 1 Corinthians 16. And as you're finding 1 Corinthians 16, I have three cards I'd like to read to you this morning. Ten Mile Church family, we cannot thank you all enough for the prayers before, during, and after my surgery. We would like to thank everyone that brought meals to the house for Stephen and I. We have the most loving and caring family in Christ. Again, thank you all so much from the bottom of our heart. And that is from Pam and Stephen McPhee. The second card this morning. Dear church family, thank you for the gift box. I enjoyed the goodies. I pray and miss you all every day. It is because of you all that I can carry on each day. Your kindness, prayers, and cards are such a blessing to me. Thank you for thinking of me. And that is from Sister Catherine Mitchell. The third card this morning. Dear Ten Mile Church family, thank you so much for the chimes, prayers, and for serving lunch after the passing of Ludine Smith. Ten Mile's actions and service in our community is the only Bible some people read. Thank you again for going above and beyond during our time of need. And that is from Craig, Connie, Doug, Tara, and the kids. And uh, if you're new or you're not new, you need to hear this. Baptists are not known for our great love for one another. We are known for a lot of things. We're known for lots of not good things. But I read these to you every week because I want to remind you and to show you what the church can do when we will love God and love each other. You say, well, Jake, every church is this way. No, it's not. <laughs> and that's why our testimony as Baptists is not one of love and forgiveness and grace and mercy, but it can be. And so today I want to thank you for being the church that you are. In 1 Corinthians 16, it's where we're going to be today. And next Sunday, when you get here, you will have the option to take a survey home with you. I'm finishing them up right now. And you will be able to tell us what you think of the sermon, the temperature, what you like, what you don't like, what you're happy about, what you're unhappy about. And you're able to pray over that and then bring it back. 
Someone said, Jake, I don't think it's a good idea to give out a survey in the midst of the hardest year or one of the hardest years in your church's history. Well, I first of all don't believe that you should hide things. And so uh, if you're unhappy with something, we want you to to know it uh, or to let us know. If there's something that you're happy about, we want you to know. And then as I started praying about a month ago when we or two months ago when we started this idea of giving out surveys, I thought, well, if they're going to tell me what they think, I think I might take a Sunday morning and tell them what I think. And uh, it's not bad, I promise. But as your pastor, and I've been here now uh, uh, almost a little over 10 years total as a youth guy, uh, associate, and then your pastor, I wanted to share with you three things this morning that I wish you, as the members of this church, would think more about. Now, next Sunday, we're going to be starting in the morning, 1 Samuel again, and so we'll be going through that for the next couple months. On Sunday night next week, we're going to be starting Matthew again, and we'll be going through that for a couple years. On Wednesday nights, we're going through Jeremiah. So I wanted this last opportunity before we jumped right into these books and went verse by verse to just really share with you a reflection of what I believe God really wants you to remember. And so if you would stand with me out of a reverence to the reading of God's word, In 1 Corinthians 16, Paul gives them this last uh, exhortation. He kind of encourages them one more time. And listen to what he says in verses 13 and 14. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. Pray with me. Father, today, I thank you so much for who you are and what you've already done today in the first service, and Sunday school, and here today. Lord, I pray that you continue to be at work, and to move, and to just do great things for your glory alone. Father, I ask that you forgive me. You know the sinful, wicked man that I am, and that you would accomplish great things in spite of me. Lord, I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. And so Paul has just spent all of 1 Corinthians writing to them some hard stuff, some challenging stuff, But yet he finishes up and tells them to watch, to be brave, to be strong, and and to love one another. And so today, what I'm going to challenge you with is truly, I believe, that same model, that that same idea here of this is what I wish that the Ten Mile family would think and realize more. The first is this this morning. The number one thing that I wish you and I would realize is this, how much God loves you. I really wish that it is something that we could spend more time thinking about and praying about is how much God loves you and I. In John, the third chapter, verse 16, the Bible says these words, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I will never apologize for believing that God loves sinners. The fact that God cares about you and your life and where you are going to spend eternity. Today, you might not care where you're going to spend eternity. Tonight, you might not feel like you are loved by God. Today, you might not feel like you have any value to God, but you need to hear today that God loves you. 
He loved you so much that He gave His only begotten Son that He might come and die for you. But He didn't just come and die for you. Look what it says in 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God didn't just come and die for us. He died in our place. That word for propitiation is He took Jacob Gray's place. The sin and judgment that I rightly deserved. The sin and wickedness that is absolutely in my life. The sin and judgment that God should have poured out on me through an eternity in hell. Jesus Christ says, I will come and I will take the punishment that you deserve. Because I love you. Because I love you. And he says, because he loved us that way, we should love him and love others. You see, I see it all the time from people. They feel like God's love is dependent on them. Well, I've not read my Bible as much as I should. I've not prayed as much as I should. I've not come to church as much as I should. I've really made a mess of things. There's no way that God could love someone like me. But what he says there is, you didn't love God first. God loved you. God loved you when you were a sinner. God loved you knowing everything about you. God loved you knowing every wicked and sinful thing that would ever be in your mind, be in your heart, come out of your mouth. God knew it. And he loved you anyway. We miss that. We really do sometimes. And I see it in this church and I see it in my own life. We get to this idea that God's love is dependent on me. Friends, you are not big enough (laughs) to make God love you. You just can't do it. God first loved you. That song that Jamie just got done singing, it was talking in one part about if you were to write the love of God out on a scroll or a piece of paper, and if you were to write and to write and to write, if all of the oceans of the earth were the ink that you were writing with, God loves you so much that you would drain the oceans dry. You see, God's love for you is unimaginable. It is limitless. It is something that changes you. It is something that carries you. It is something that that is everything that you and I need. But yet so many times we forget how greatly we are loved by God. And I'm thankful that God just doesn't love me one time. God continues to love me. In Psalm 86 verse 15 the Bible says these words. But you, O Lord... Are a God full of compassion and gracious, long suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. Today, if you are struggling in what 
you feel about yourself, it is because you have forgotten how God feels about you. It doesn't matter if the rest of Hamilton County knows every mistake you've ever committed. Doesn't matter if they think you're no good. Doesn't matter if they talk about what you've done. Don't matter how many times they whisper about you when you walk by. If God loves you and God has saved you and God has forgiven you, you have everything that you will ever need. That's all right. It was still right whether or not only one person agrees with me. This was only like a 20-minute sermon in the first one, but I have no problem repeating it three times if you don't get it. Because why? When we doubt who we are in the, in the Lord Jesus Christ, it causes everything else to fail. When my self-worth is defined by what my wife thinks of me, when she is frustrated with me, I have no self-worth. If my self-worth is defined what you think about me, when you're not happy with me, I have no self-worth. When, when the opinion of the public is what I find my worth in when they speak unkindly of me I have no worth but when God loves me and God has died for me and God has forgiven me and God has said you are forgiven you are a child of mine you might fail me you might struggle you might stumble you might rebel you might do all of these things but you are still mine it reminds me that I am worth something because of Him. I'm hoping next week, maybe, or the week after they're are going to sing a song. And it's, it's this song, and I referenced it last week, A Sinner Saved by Grace. And friends, you should never be boastful of yourself. Oh, look, God loves me and not you. No, you should always be reminded that God has saved you from your sin. If there was one thing I could give you a survey about and let you know what it is, it's the fact that I wish you would know and realize how much that God loves you. The second thing I would say to you if you were giving me a survey about what I see in your life and in mine is the fact that God has a great purpose and plan for you. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 is one of the most famous verses in the Bible. You probably have it on your wall at home. You might have it on a bumper sticker. You might have it uh, wrote on your bathroom mirror. But no one ever looks at why that verse was written. It's all about verse 11. But I want to read verse 10 to you today and explain to you why this verse really means so much. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10 the Bible says these words, For thus says the Lord, After seventy years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. God says you are getting ready to be a slave for seventy years. You're going to have no homes that are yours. You're not going to have any authority. You're not going to have any say. You have nothing other than you are a conquered, defeated enemy in a foreign land. No temple, no prosperity. All these things that you love about the, the land of Israel, you don't get any of it. And then he gives them verse 11. Verse 11 says these words, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord's, thoughts of peace and not evil, 
to give you a future and a hope. Now, I don't know if you heard that or not. Verse 10, he says, you are going to be slaves in a distant land. And in verse 11, he says, I have good thoughts towards you. You're going to have peace and a future and a hope. And you and I know how this story ends up. But if I'm a Jewish person at that day, I'm going, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. And I might be a few eggs short of a dozen. But I don't think slavery in a foreign land means peace and prosperity. But this is why this verse is so special. Because no matter where you are or what you've done, how messed up the situation is, God says, I have a purpose and a plan for you. That means you can look around in the worst of situations in your life and know that God still has a plan. You can make a mess of your life through sin and discouragement and despair. And if you will come to God in forgiveness, he says you have a future and a hope. You see, the reason this verse is so special is not just because it says good things. It says good things because no matter the situation I find myself, whether in wealth or poverty, whether in peace or war, whether in an abundance of blessings or with nothing to my name, God says, I have a purpose and a plan for you. And what I see so many times in this church and in other Christians is God cannot use me. God doesn't have a purpose for me. I've done too many things. I've fallen short too many times. I've made a mess of so much stuff. There is no way that God could love and care for someone like me. And in the book of Esther, chapter 4, I want to show you how God works, even in the most broken of circumstances. In Esther, they are trying to literally exterminate the Jews. Think of the Holocaust of Germany. They are wanting to wipe the Jewish people off the map. And in Esther chapter 4, starting in verse 10, the Bible says these words. Then Esther spoke to Hathak and gave him a command for Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court of the king who has not been called, he has but one law, put all to death except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter that he may live. Yet I myself have not been called to go into the king these 30 days. What it says is the king had a decree that if you came into his presence without being invited into his presence, you would die. You didn't get a chance to argue your case. You didn't get a chance to debate. You didn't get a chance to say why. If he didn't give you the golden scepter, you died on the spot. And she says, and I've not been beckoned or called to come to the king for a month, 30 days. What God had asked of her was to go to the king on behalf of the Jewish people. Yet she knew that the consequences of this could take her life. And listen to the words of Mordecai in chapter 12. So they told Mordecai Esther's words. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther. 
Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Now don't miss this. This verse is so important. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for what? Such a time as this. You see, that's, I believe, how God works. God will use you if you let him. And if you won't let him use you, he'll use someone else. That's what Mordecai said. Mordecai says, you need to go in there and tell the king what needs to be told. And God will use you because he has brought you here to a time that is this. And if you won't do what God has asked you to do, your family's not going to make it out. But God will raise up somebody to save the Jewish people. And today I want you to hear that. Some of you are facing situations that you have no idea what you're supposed to do. You've got family that's a mess. You've got a marriage that's broken. You've got friends and situations at work that are overwhelming. Maybe you've made a mess of these things yourself. And when you're looking at the situation, it feels like I cannot make a choice because this choice might cost me everything. And what God says is, I have you here for a time such as this. I would have much preferred, preferred to be born in the 50s, to live in the golden days of the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s. But I didn't pick what day I was going to be born. God put me here when he did. I didn't even get to pick what color I was going to be. I didn't even get to pick who my parents were going to be. I didn't get to pick what nation I was going to be born. I didn't get to pick any of that stuff. And you didn't either. But God has you here for a purpose. In our Sunday school class we talked today. There's an old, old song that I really, really love. And it says, Lord, if I can't feed the whole world, help me to feed one. Lord, if I can't reach the whole world, help me to reach one. Lord, if I can't rescue all of the orphans, help me to rescue one. If I can't reach all of the widows, help me to reach one. And Christian, I have no idea the struggles, the burdens that you're carrying, that you're going through, the heartbreaks and pains that you are facing, but you need to remember that God has you here for a time as is this. This is how I know that that is the case. Because some of you are saying, well, Jake, I don't have any spiritual gift. I don't have anything to give. I'm just hoping to get to heaven uh, by the, the, just the bare minimum I'm just hoping to squeak through the door to get there. Friends, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches you were saved by grace to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish. You say, not me, Jake. I, I just, I don't have a gift. I don't have a purpose. Listen to what the Apostle Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4. As each one has received a gift. As each one has received a gift. If you are saved here today, you receive the gift of salvation, but you also re received a gift of service. You can't have one without the other. Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. 
If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to give you one of the the, the dumbest illustrations I've ever given you, but I hope that you hear the significance of it. It would be like a 16-year-old child. They go to the DMV. It's actually open. They get their license. They get home, and in the driveway is a brand new 2021 vehicle. It's got less than 100 miles on it. You give that child the keys. They walk out to the car. They open the door, and there's that new car smell. Right? They sit down in it and said, oh, this seat was built for a rear just like this one. Right? They start it up. They see that beautiful radio. They get out. They walk around it. No scratches. No rust. No nothing. Oh, just the greatest thing they could ever get. Then they walk over, shut the key off, and walk inside. And every day they get up, they walk out to that brand new vehicle, turn it on, sit in it, and then get out and go in the house. And never drive it. You say, Jake, that doesn't even make sense. Why would you not use a gift that nice? And that's what some of you are doing every day. God gave you a gift when he saved you. And he expected you to use it for him. You don't have to like that. It's still right. This is my survey of you. You can take it or leave it. You see, I don't have the gift to sit here and play the guitar. Not at all. And what you see is when people will sit here and use that gift, they are using what God has given them, and they have a reward and a blessing that you and I don't have. But I am telling you that the people that God gives this gift to and doesn't use it are robbing themselves and others. I don't have the gift to play the piano. Janice tried to teach me, and it didn't work out very good because I won't take my lessons home, right? I don't have the gift She has it. And when she hits those things straight on, makes me want to shout. Blesses my soul. She is using what God has given her to honor Him and to bless others. And I can tell you if she walked in one day and said, you know what, I'm so thankful for these fingers, but I'm just not going to use them ever again. She is robbing herself and others of the blessing that God has given her. You say, Jake, I don't have the gift of the piano. I don't have the gift of the guitar. Maybe God gave you a voice to sing. You say, the only place I sing is the shower. Well, you're robbing other people of the blessing that God has given you. I'm hoping for soon, one of these days, we can start our choir back up. And some of you ought to be singing up there instead of whispering out there. You say, I don't care what you say, Jake. That's all right. You can waste what God has given you, but you're not going to get to heaven and say, I didn't know it. Some of have been given the gift of hospitality, administration, of compassion, and all these other gifts. God gave it specific to you. And when he was forming you, when he knew you before you were ever created, he had a purpose and a plan for your life, and he gave you that gift for a reason. And it wasn't to sit in your driveway. It wasn't to sit on that pew or that chair. God gave you the gift to use it. 
And so today I want you to know, I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how many times you've failed God. God wants you to ask forgiveness and get to work. God wants you to ask forgiveness and use the gift that he gave you. Third and final thing this morning. If there was something I wish you would understand is how much God really loves you. How that he has a purpose and plan for your life. And third and finally, how most of the things that you are worrying and fretting about won't matter in heaven. Most of the things that you are worrying and fretting about won't matter in heaven. Colossians chapter 3 says these words in verses 1 and 2. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is. Sitting at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on things on the earth. That job that you hate, that's miserable, that consumes you, friends, you ought to work and you ought to work unto the Lord. But don't make it an idol. The hobby that you love, that your family loves, enjoy it. But never let it be more important than God. You see, friends, don't invest your life and lose sleep over things that aren't going to heaven with you. Those relationships that are destroying you, the, the relationships that are robbing you of your peace and joy, if they're not saved, they're not going to heaven. And so you need to quit letting them destroy the blessings that God has given you. And pray for them to be saved. Friends, there are desires that God gives us that only He can satisfy. If all of your hope is built in your spouse, there will come a day when they will fail you. If all of your hope and worth is found in your children, there is coming a day when they will disappoint you. If all of your hope and desires are trying to be fulfilled by how much money you can make, there's not enough money on the earth to satisfy. If you are trying to find your desires and worth through the, through the pleasures of this world, there will always be a desire that you cannot satisfy. But there is one who can satisfy every desire. It's not Jacob Gray. It's not Ten Mile Baptist Church. His name is Jesus Christ. You have a God-sized hole that yearns, but it can't be filled with anything else other than Him. Now, I'm getting big, and some of you are too, but you're not big enough to fill a hole that only God can fill. Friends, you can give hope to people, but you can't give hope that overcomes sin and death and the grave. You can be an encourager. You can be a friend. You can be all of these things to people, but you can never really be the one that they need. It's Jesus. And so as a human being, as a Christian bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, you need to understand that the things of this world are not meant to encourage you. The lost friend that you have is not meant to encourage you. You see, the lostness of this world and the brokenness of this world do one thing to the Christian. They will drain you. That is why it is so important to continually be walking with God, talking with God, serving Him, worshiping Him, loving Him. Because why? 
He is the source of everything. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, He is the river of life. Most of us are trying to drink fresh water out of a dirty cistern. A dirty bowl. When God says, keep your eyes on me. I, I will be the first to admit that I hate to lose at anything. Right? In Sunday school, I was talking today about, you know, I've got six kids and another family's got six kids, so I'm tied for first. And I really hope they're done. Because I don't want to have to have another one just to be tied for first. Okay? I don't want that. I'm telling you, if, if, if we're playing a sporting event, I'm going to do whatever I can with the ability that I've got. I'm going to try to put the best people on my team to win. That's who I am. But I am not going to sacrifice my love of winning. I'm not going to make that more important than the salvation of my children. I'm not going to make the approval of you more important than the marriage that God has given me. I am not going to let the things of this world take so much of my time and focus and energy that I take my eyes off the one person who matters. And his name is Jesus Christ. And what I can tell you is, as a pastor who has loved you now for a decade, I really wish that you and I could spend more time being made aware of how God loves us. I really wish that you and I would really believe that God has a purpose and a plan for our life. And last, I wish that we would stop worrying about things that when we get to heaven aren't going to matter. Bow your heads with me today. Father, I, I come today, Lord, lifting up this congregation to you. Lord, I love them and I'm thankful for them. But God, I know you love them more. And so, Father, today, you know the ones that are struggling today that don't believe that they're loved or lovable. And, Lord, only your Spirit can convict them of that. Lord, you know your children that are here today that have given up, that they don't feel they have a purpose and a place in their life. They're confused. They're turned around. They just, Lord, you know them. Today, I pray that you'd show them. And, Father, you know the families in this church and in my own heart, God, who have made idols out of the things of this world. And I pray today, Lord, that you'd show them that ain't none of it going to make a difference in heaven. Only you. Father, today I pray for the lost man, the lost woman, the lost boy or girl who's here today and doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior. Father, I pray right now that your conviction would fall, that you would draw, that you would, Lord, make it so that they could not leave here today without coming and calling upon your name. Lord, only your spirit can do that. Conviction of you. Father, I pray today that you'd convict and work in your people, their hearts, their lives, their marriages, their finances, whatever it is, God, that you'd work in a mighty way. Lord, I pray today. Lord, from the bottom of my heart, Lord, as, 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 as honest as I know how, Lord, that you would do great things here. For your glory alone. And Lord I ask it in Jesus name. Amen. We just would like to thank you. For watching today's sermon. And we pray that it has been a blessing. And an encouragement in your walk with Jesus Christ. 
Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking, the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you, pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please, reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.